I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Today we are talking about the disputable matter of Halloween. We've been, for the last few Sundays, we've been talking about disputable matters among believers. If ever there was a disputable matter, I'll tell you, among believers, it is Halloween. So we're going to talk about how to handle the disputable matter of Halloween, which then has an obvious opening question. How should Christians handle Halloween? Don't answer out loud. <laughs> I'm just going to cut to the chase. I don't usually do this. I'm just going to give you the answer. This is what the whole sermon is going to conclude with. This is because we've been talking about it. How do, how do Christians handle Halloween? According to their conscience. According to their conscience. Because, boy, there's a lot of room under that banner of Halloween. And uh, as we've been learning, the right and the wrong of a disputable matter among believers is decided individually by the conscience. Because remember, I just quickly, it, it's going to testify for us and against us. It's very impartial. It just says this is what they thought was right and this is what they did. This is what they thought was wrong and this is what they did. It's in their watching. It's in their watching. And we are told that God's judgment of our sin is based in large part upon these violations of conscience. And so we've got to be watching out for each other. I want to violate your conscience. I don't want to cause you to violate your conscience. I got to be, we've got to be watching out for ourselves because sometimes we don't listen to that still small voice when the Lord speaks to us inside. So you notice, right, the big Halloween at His Place banner on the front of the church, right? That's been there 10 years. We have not talked about Halloween for 10 years. It's just, wow, the last 10 years went fast. Uh, feels like we were just talking about it. But I remember when we put that sign up, just using that word, is a disputable matter among believers. Just this morning, got an angry email. We're an abomination, it said, for having that word on our building. Well, it's good timing. I'm talking about it this morning. Why would we put that word on our church? Where some see an opportunity to be a light in the darkness to the world, others see an obvious compromise of faith. I mean, you got two sides, and a whole bunch in between. In Romans 14, as we've been seeing, Paul tells us to accept him whose faith is weak. So if you think you have the stronger position, then it's talking to you. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment. So if you think I'm the weak one, stop judging me. <laughs> it tells you to right there. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. And then it goes on to say to all of us, who are you to judge? Someone else's servant. And so we all need to be sensitive to what is a very large spectrum of approaches that believers take in regard to Halloween. For instance, just to, just to make that point, don't answer out loud. I want you to answer in your heart of hearts. Would you consider an evil-looking jack-o'-lantern as unacceptable on your doorstep on Halloween? Would that be like it? Because I know there's some people right now saying, no, it's a jack-o'-lantern. And I know there's other people that are saying, 
Oh, good heavens, that, no, that, that cannot be on my porch. <coughs> so I'm really talking to you that say, good heavens, that cannot be on my porch. What if it was a friendly, friendly jack-o'-lantern? See, now some of you who said good heavens are now saying, well, okay, with it's friendly. See, we all have our different lines, but some are holdouts. Some of you are saying, no, 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 no. Well, then, to you, what if it was a puppy? A puppy? Mm, good. What if it was Jesus? What if it was Jesus himself on that jack-o'-lantern? And all I'm saying is there is just not one size fits all when it comes to how Christians handle Halloween. It's a disputable matter. We've got to let our conscience be our guide. We've got to, oh, there's so many things we, we need to look at and do and talk about. You know, we talked about COVID masks, right? I thought we were done talking about masks, but what about Halloween masks? What about Halloween masks? I got to tell you, here's... <laughs> Here's one of my favorites right here. This is me. This is me, one of my favorite masks. 2010, um, I came to Arctoberfest as Char's old bellhop. And I love that mask. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've never, never told you. I don't tell that many people. I convinced Char to let me spend $750 on that mask. Okay, seriously. You talk about a disputable matter. Oh my goodness. Now, how did I do it? And how did I justify it? By assuring her and myself that I could make a profit the following year. I had a plan. That I could make a profit by waiting. Because they always sold out a couple weeks before Halloween. And then I could list this one on eBay when they sold out. Okay? Now, you think you know where this story's going. You're wrong, because to my surprise and my wife's shock, they did, I did, and the whole thing worked out, well, I'll just tell you. I set the starting bid at $800 to cover the shipping and all, okay? And then if you'll notice, I put, if you're aware of how eBay works, I put a buy it now of $2,800 to make the $800 seem more reasonable. Right? It's like if I put buy it now 2800 they'd be like, oh, I guess 800 is a good deal. Okay, well, uh, this is on a three-day auction, and nobody bought it the first two days. And I woke up on day three, and somebody had clicked the buy it now and bought it for $2,800. <laughs> now, being a Christian, this is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. I contacted them and asked if it was a mistake. <laughs> and they assured me it was not. And I made 2,000 bucks on that mask. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, you can applaud it. I mean, my goodness, usually these stories go the other way. Once in a while. Once in a while. Kind of like disputable matters, you know? Some of the things we just have to wait and see how they're going to work out. And sometimes it really surprises us. Oh, that? Oh, wow. But that was a disputable matter. <laughs> Not disputable anymore. She's really glad I bought it. Now, but where were we? What were we? Oh, yeah, Halloween. Halloween! Happy Halloween! Halloween! On the front of the church. We put that word on the church. This was like a council decision. It was not out of a compromise of conviction. Uh-uh. No, because we knew the trouble we were going to get ourselves in. We, it was out of a fervent conviction and desire to reach out and relate to the unchurched, the lost that are driving by. And they don't know what in the world an Oktoberfest is. 
We realized our only concern, only fear, was the condemnation and the judgment we knew we'd be getting from other churches and Christians. That's held true. Uh, a, a Christian friend of mine asked, you know, okay, okay, I, but why didn't you just put up something like Harvest Festival? You know? And I said, because it sounds weird. It sounds weird, not to believers, because we're used to calling it things like that, but to the world, it sounds weird. And we are ambassadors of Christ to our world, to our culture. So we should speak the language. And that's what it's called. It's called Halloween. And we're trying to tell them we want them inside the church. And so we put Halloween on the church. And we get a lot of pushback because, you know, the big thing is, well, isn't it a pagan tradition, the origins? And you'll hear this argument with Christmas and Easter, a lot of things in there from the hardliners, you know. The pagan origins. Well, it's, it's like everything else. It's so complicated. It just, it's just not that simple. Here's, but in case you're not familiar with the pagan origin argument, in a nutshell, it basically says, if I put a fun size, it's an equation, if I put a fun size Snickers candy bar into a three-year-old Peter Pan's plastic pumpkin, then I am uh, glorifying Satan, and I'm serious now, I'm glorifying Satan by condoning Celtic pagan practices from 2,000 years ago. That's the argument, because that was the origin, they say. And yet, if you then point out that they called it a harvest festival. And that the name Halloween originally meant holy evening in honor of All Saints Day. Then the argument flips and the same group says, well, yeah, but the word has lost all of its original significance. It means something very different now. Can you have it both ways? <laughs> Can you have that? Because I don't think you can with integrity. You know, if a principle isn't consistent, hey, it isn't a principle. You know? It is bad judgment to selectively apply rules and call it good judgment. You know? You can't celebrate it because of its origins. You can't call it Halloween uh, because no one cares about what its origins were. <laughs> It just doesn't hold up. And then, how, you know, where do you draw the line on the pagan origin argument? Lit candles on round cakes. We know where those came from. They originated when ancient Greek worshipers brought moon-shaped offerings to the temple of uh, Artemis, also known as Diana, the goddess of the moon. The candles made it glow like the moon. And that temple, depicted right there, was in Ephesus. And it is mentioned even, that very temple mentioned right there in Acts. Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis. Happy birthday. That's where birthday cakes come from. Uh, the planets are named after Roman gods. The days of the week are a mix of Norse gods and Roman gods. And our Nikes, of course, are named after goddess of victory. But they don't carry that significance. I'm just using the the Halloween argument of the pagan origin people. They, they don't carry the significance. There's so much information that is just wrong, misinformation on those, the memes making the rounds. Mm. Those memes have been making the rounds for centuries. They were happening long before the internet. The Celts, now the Celts did have a pagan harvest 
festival where they celebrated Samhain, which simply means summer's end. It was not the god of the underworld. It looks like it says Samhain. It's pronounced Samhain. I know a lot of Christians are taught that it was the god, their god of the underworld to whom they made human sacrifices. That was falsely reported. That meme went around. Oh, that was falsely reported by their Roman enemies who also, by the way, at the same time, same people, reported that Christian communion consisted of cannibalism, child sacrifice, and ritual incest. And even though we absolutely know the historical origins of those false memes, well, the one about the Celts is still being perpetrated, still being spread by Christians in anti-Halloween pamphlets. So, are you defending Halloween? Why are you standing there to defend Halloween? I'm not. I'm absolutely not. Nope. I'm standing here defending truth, logic, faith, growth, our witness to the world, our unity with each other, avoiding quarreling over stupid, disputable matters, and above all, following our conscience in whatever we do to the glory of God and strengthening our conscience by his word. You've got to strengthen it. It can be weak. It can be strong. You can't just let it be. Even though you'd be judged by what it's saying, it's to your benefit to strengthen that thing with God's word so it's steering you in the right direction. You see, what matters in disputable matters is what our conscience believes to be right or wrong and then how we act accordingly. And this is Paul's entire point. It's kind of summed up in Romans 14, 14, where he says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing's unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean Yikes, there's your definition of sin. You want a personal definition of sin? It, it is. It's a custom-made list just for you. Your conscience will let you know. And this does not mean, oh, we just get to do whatever we naturally think is, is right and it's all good. No, it could be very weak and bad. You need to strengthen it. it. Otherwise, it's called following the dictates of your heart. And we're warned against that. That's why we've got to grow. If you don't want your conscience seared, well, then it's got to be steered in the right direction with God's word. So our goal today is that. Feed our conscience. Feed our conscience food for thought and to grow what we maybe already know and to strengthen our conscience with truth. That's it. I'm not here to change minds. I'm here to make us think, to look at what we believe, to look at God's word. Because at the end of the day, you better not violate your conscience. You better not make other people violate theirs. We do that at Halloween a lot. We, we, we you know, oh, come on, it's Halloween. Let's just watch it. Come on, it's Halloween. Swear it. Now, I'm not defending Halloween. I'm here to defend your conscience. So we've got to feed our conscience truth, but the history of Halloween, oh, it's such a mixed bag of long-forgotten pagan origins and myths and fears and urban legends and Christian morality tales. 
That's in the list? Oh, baby, is that in the list? Yeah, long forgotten. But it's all there. Trying to, trying to, to sort out historical truth from human agenda is always tricky. But here's some things we know. And this is really fun history. This is, these are things we know. We know that the Celts worshipped nature. Okay? And we know that they came up with that pentagram. That's what they used, the pentagram. We put it on our Christmas tree because it's also like the Star of David. But they used it as a fertility symbol. So the pentagram was the Celts' fertility symbol. And then they were conquered by the Romans. And the Romans had their own gal. They had the Feast of Pomona, who was a fertility goddess of fruit trees. And her symbol was an apple. And the two pagan traditions got all mixed together when someone cut into Pomona's apple and saw that the seed pocket inside looked like a pentagram from Osawin. And then it just became a big mixed mess and blah, blah, blah. That's where we get bobbing for apples. <laughs> 800 years later, uh, Pope Gregory moved All Saints Day to November 1st to replace the Sow and Pomona extravaganza. And the night before All Saints Day, just like our Christmas Eve, was Hallowed Eve. Halloween. That was their word for it. Hallowed evening. Happy Hallowed evening. Happy Holy Evening. And those who refused to celebrate what old Pope Gregory established were labeled as witches. Because the Pope believed in witches. The witches, they believed at that time. They all did. We can't, shouldn't laugh. We believe in some things I'm sure we shouldn't. But the believers believed in witches. And they believed witches possessed animals. And they believed the most likely candidate to be possessed was a cat. Because, and I'm quoting, because they're sneaky. <laughs> and they're nocturnal. And the black ones have the best camouflage and are hard to see in the dark. And so blah, 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 that's where we get bobbing for cats. <laughs> Just my family? Back then, with old Pope Gregory, Back then, not celebrating oh, Halloween was sin. See, it's, Halloween's always been tricky. And just think of the irony of wanting to change Halloween with, to Harvest Festival, which is what the pagans actually called it. But it doesn't carry that significance, so no one cares, except when they do about the ones they do. Oh, and the church, oh, this is a bright idea. <laughs> I shouldn't judge. The church put hideous gargoyles on the cathedrals. Demons on the cathedrals, on the churches. They decorated churches with demons. <laughs> and you're going, why? How could they justify? No, they weren't justifying it. They did it with wonderfully right hearts for the Lord because most of the population was illiterate and they wanted something that would very quickly serve to communicate the very real threat of evil that is outside the church and it can come all the way up to the church but it cannot enter the body of Christ. It can't come inside the Christian body. And we don't have to fear it even if it sits on the ledges. So I was thinking, we should put a row of demons up on the... Uh, <laughs> You know, just using the origin argument. <laughs> oh, 
their message was the Christian has nothing to fear in the demonic realm. And they put him right, they made him, uh, they made him their downspouts. That's where the water goes through. I don't know, just funny. And they held costume parades. The Christians, no, they held the costumes, parades, dressed up as demons and angels as a de declaration of Christ's triumph over the very real evil and to communicate the two invisible, eternal choices that we are faced with all around us every day. So, if you're keeping track and you're sticking strictly to the origin argument, demon costumes good, apple bobbing bad. Okay? And most of this stuff came with the Irish. So if you're Irish, thank you very much. The Irish brought their traditions to America in the 1800s. That's how I got here, a lot of it. And the Civil War, but you didn't know this, the Civil War caused an American emphasis on ghosts. And then in the 1920s, you want to know where trick-or-treating in America came from? 1920s, the Boy Scouts counteracted the hate crimes of the Ku Klux Klan, which were largely perpetrated on Halloween by organizing nationwide trick-or-treating. So how do we handle the secular, Americanized mishmash of a holiday? Let your conscience be your guide. And don't, don't cause someone else to stumble. Here's a scripture most often quoted, come out from them and be separate says the Lord. Uh, Paul's quoting two Old Testament uh, verses. Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I'll receive you. That's in most of the anti-Halloween propaganda out there. Uh, the thing is, though, Jesus was criticized by the Pharisees for violating both of those. Come out? Oh, my goodness. He, he went into the parties with the worst of sinners, Right? Touch no unclean thing. Remember when the sinful woman wiped his feet with her hair? The Pharisees saw this as proof of his ungodliness. See, what they failed to understand is that we are called to come out and separate from the world's system, the ways of the world, the sin of the world. Come out. Separate from, even as we reach out and relate to the world's people. Jesus describes this uh, regarding his disciples as being in but not of the world. Right before the, the cross, he says, my prayer is like he's trying to clear it up. Hey, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Especially on Hallowed Eve. He says, they, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Which means they can stay in it and love on it. So do not love the world, says John. Do not love the world. Or, in other words, if you want to know what he means, the things in the world. Now, if anyone loves the world in that way, the love of the Father is not in him. Know why? Well, this is why. For God so loved the world... Not the things in the world, the people that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So come out 
from and reach out to. And Halloween is a great dark and gory night to practice being a light in, but not of. Pharisees, this is kind of funny, Pharisees saw Jesus in that party, remember? And assumed this meant he was of the party. Uh-uh. It's the same way our Oktoberfest protesters see us. You know, they come out each year. The Pharisees were not upset that Jesus went to the party. They went to the party. They were upset that he enjoyed it. They went to spoil it. So by all means, let your light shine. Let your porch light. I'll use my paraphrase. Uh, let your porch light shine before children, that they may see your good and plenties, <laughs> your good deeds, and praise your Father in heaven. The people, the secular people in our culture, often don't know their neighbor's name. Many of the believers don't either, you know. Don't ask me who the one is the house went up and went over. And so one night a year, one night a year, they remind themselves that neighbors and strangers can be loving and kind and generous. That's what Halloween is in America. And you know, it's kind of sweet. That's what they're doing. And this is why it is a night to relate and not to retreat. And I think food for thought here. If Jesus had a house in your neighborhood, would he put a bushel over his porch light on the spiritually darkest night of the year? He's the light of the world, and he's called us to shine. I do got to wonder, though, what would he say if Jesus had a house in your neighborhood, and he left his light on, and, you know, the kids come up, and he opens the door, and they're dressed as ghouls and goblins and Dracula. What would Jesus say? What? I don't know. I don't know, but I'll tell you this, I'll bet it'd be clever and caring and funny and kind and gracious and full of life. I'll bet the other 364 days of the year, the kids would point at his house and say, that's the one, that's the house. So if thy conscience allows, Use thy candy to love thy neighbor. I mean, what an opportunity for kingdom ambassadors. The people God has placed around us come right to our door. And for heaven's sake, into the church to see what we're like. It is so easy on Halloween. It's like giving candy to a baby. <laughs> Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So I say we overwhelm them with a bit of sweet peace and joy in the forms of Reese's Pieces and Almond Joys and a bit of honey. <laughs> and if your conscience allows and you shine your porch light tonight because you're not working here, and they stand at your door and knock, they will be expecting a fun size. So what do you think they'd think if you gave them a king size? Whatever you do, just remember that you are investing in your own glowing reputation for the other 364 days of the year. Don't forget to use the supernatural as a segue, okay? I mean, what a, what a night for ambassadors of Christ 
everyone's talking about ghosts and demons and hell and death and fear and the afterlife. Get in on the conversation. Just don't push it on people and spoil the party. So many opportunities. Many of you will be shining the kindness of Christ by serving right here tonight, encouraging right here tonight. Thank you so much. Sometimes people come in here, the unchurched come in here, that's what we want. And they come in here dressed in gory little costumes. So use the gore as a reminder of glory. When you see the gory demon or the gory ghost or the gory vampire, the gory decorations, don't, don't condemn our culture for being lost. That was the, the Pharisee's mistake. Instead, commend the one who's overcome the darkness of sin and death itself and shine as light because having disarmed the powers and authorities, well, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Because the power is in loving, not judging. And the light of his life is shining through each of us. And it's especially visible in the darkest seasons. But at the end of the day, and that's quite literal, at the end of the day, it is up to you how you handle Halloween. So definitely don't imitate the ways of the world. But also don't shrink back from embracing those who do. To whatever degree your conscience and the conscience of those around you will allow. Let's pray. Father God, we love you with our whole heart. We worship you now to express that. And we reach out to others today in your name. Holy Spirit, strengthen our conscience with truth and steer our spirit with love. Draw in the lost. Help them to see your light. Lord Jesus, we thank you for overcoming death and darkness. We praise you by shining your light to this world to the best of our ability. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.